0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. It's also great to be back and to see all of you again. Uh, for those of you who were wondering where I've been for the last three Sundays, don't worry, I didn't leave you, I was just on holidays. And for those of you who didn't notice I was gone or even care at all, well, thanks a lot. I, uh, I love you too. Um, it's not about me anyways, it's about Jesus, right? And that's what we have, we've been learning as we've, we went through the Gospel of Luke, right? We've spent uh, a long time in the Gospel of Luke. And now we've been learning that it's all about Jesus, that he came to live that perfect life for us, that he came to teach us and bring us the truth, that he died on the cross to save us from our sins, that he rose again to defeat death, to prove that he defeated death for us. And then he invites us in by his grace to rescue us, redeem us, and invite us into his kingdom as sons and daughters of God the Father. It's it's amazing, right? And uh, last week, pastors... uh, Blair and Brad, I watched online, they, they, they did a great job of, of concluding and, and wrapping up our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke. And, and um, for those of you who were there and those, and, or those who were watching online, uh, you'll remember that they, they challenged us at the end by, by saying in so many words that, that the only natural response to both Jesus' teaching and especially his saving grace in our lives, which again is what Luke was all about, The only natural response is to now live our lives by faith in Him, and for Him. Right? Galatians 2:20 says it better than me because it's inspired scripture, and uh, but it really actually uh, sums up for us what the motto or or life verse of of every single person who's encountered Christ and been born again in Him should be. This this should be our theme verse uh, in our life. Galatians 2:20 says, "I have been crucified with Christ." It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why don't we just read that together? Does that sound good? Let's read it together. I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How wonderful is that? Romans uh, 1, 16 to 17 also puts it powerfully for us when it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. right? From faith for faith, for as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That's our response. So living by faith is not an optional choice for anyone who believes, but rather we've been saved by grace through faith so that we can live by it. It gives us a new identity, a new purpose, an outlook in life, a new way of viewing every aspect of life. Just as Hebrews 3.14 states for us as well. It says, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That's, That's all of life, right? So again, our faith doesn't just save us. It carries implications for us for the rest of our lives to the end. And this is exactly what Jesus will be looking for when he comes again, right? When he comes again in victory and in glory to take his bride with him into the new heaven, new earth, right? When he comes again, this is what he's going to be looking for. Luke 18, verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's what he's going to be looking for. In us, in you, faith. In summary, then, to live by faith is central to our glorious identity in Christ and is also synonymous to living out our lives uh, in the expectation and hope of Jesus coming again, which has also been a recurring theme for us at the gate since the beginning of this year, to live our lives with the expectation and hope of Jesus coming again. So on that end, regarding this, this subject of living by faith, which is so important, Our goal and and our aim over the next four months as we respond to the Gospel of Luke and and as we move through this new sermon series, A Great Cloud of Witnesses, our, our goal and our aim is to encourage us to contend and continue living by faith in Christ through both growing in our understanding of what it means and through being inspired by those who've lived by faith before us. So the primary way we're going to be doing this is by studying through Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, which is a passage that highlights heroes of faith from the from the whole Old Testament all the way from from Genesis to to the the prophets, and and we're going to do that as a way of both teaching on faith and simultaneously to encourage us believers um, to be reminded. Uh, and inspired by all these powerful examples of faith so that we too can, can run the race set before us with, with our eyes set on Christ. Um, and this is summed up for us, like the point of Hebrews 11 is summed up for us in, in Hebrews 12, actually, right, right at the beginning of Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Uh, it has the therefore, right? So whenever there's a therefore, we have to ask what it's therefore, as Pastor Dan, a long time ago, taught us. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So that's the point of the series. And I'm, and I'm really excited about it, especially because this is something that, that, that God had really placed on my heart since before we started in Luke. So I've been, I've been thinking and praying about it for a long time. Uh, another reason that, that I'm excited about it is because each week we'll also be using uh, Hebrews chapter 11 as a jumping-off point or as a time machine of sorts to go back into studying the Old Testament stories of all these heroes of faith or these witnesses of faith, which the passage brings up. So people like Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, David, the judges, Sam, like Samson, the, the, the prophets, and, and many, many more. So it's, it's going to be cool. Um, and so as, as much as it'll be a series encouraging us in our faith, it'll also in many ways be like an overview of the whole Old Testament. And as we do that over and over again, we'll get to see how God called and used these people to do amazing things through them. And even more amazingly, how, how each of them actually points us to Jesus. How he's better than all of them as the son of God. As the author and perfecter of our faith and as the fulfillment of all the promises of God that they were hoping and believing for. So, it's going to be good. Are you guys excited? Yeah? I'm excited. And another reason that I'm excited for this is because I, I truly believe that we need this. We need the encouragement and the edification. In fact, in fact, the reason uh, Hebrews chapter 11 exists is because, again, it was meant to, to bolster and inspire the original readers in, in their faith at, at a time when they were being pressured and tempted to walk away from it and return to their old ways, to their, their old, the Old Testament law, to, Moses, to, to the law of Moses. They're tempted to go back. And while their circumstances or temptations might be slightly different than ours, The truth is that that regardless, we as Christians today are also living in a society and culture which is often no longer particularly friendly to people of faith. In our society, as we've probably all experienced, faith is often looked down on and seen as as weak or unintellectual or irrational and, and, and to some even morally repugnant. In fact, in some circles, it's actually become popular and stylish and and even seen as brave to walk away from faith. It's, It's the trend. It's cool to do. All of which makes living it out in boldness and with confidence that much more difficult and challenging. Sometimes it just makes it socially awkward, right? Of course regardless of our external influences and temptations in, in culture, the reality is that sometimes we can also just simply start to internally doubt our calling in Christ or even grow frustrated in God sometimes when living by faith doesn't end up looking like we think it should or, or, or when it didn't accomplish what we expected it to do, especially in times of suffering or hardship. Sometimes we even have a tendency, I think, to to become discouraged or ashamed or or to even doubt our own faith in the times when we still sin, right? Or in those those moments when we don't live faithfully or when we're we're given into temptation, right? So I think in, in, in order to persevere and stay the course, we need this encouragement. We need this encouragement. We need deeper understanding. As we live in this society, as, as, we, as we face times of tribulation, as we come up against our own personal temptations and doubts, when we, when we do mess up, and especially as, as God calls us to do and say things which are impossible in our own strength and sometimes seem like they're beyond logical reason, we need to be reminded of the power of faith. We need to be reminded again and again that placing our hope and trust in God and in his promises through the precious name of Jesus Christ is the one thing that is certain and the one thing that will never fail us or lead us wrong. Of course, this is how Hebrews 11 begins. Hebrews 11, 1-2. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped." the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received the commendation. And we're going to be talking about that verse too throughout the whole series. For by it, the people of old, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. And I want to mention the first verse right now. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So many, many people, when they read that verse, they think, they think, oh, does that mean that faith is blind? Right? Many people read that and they, and, and they get this idea that faith is blind. It isn't. It isn't blind. Yes, we walk by faith and not by sight, but that doesn't mean that faith is blind. The implication that faith is blind is that it's based on something uncertain or unknowable or, or lacking in evidence or proof or reason, right? But that sounds, like, sounds more like a wish. And forgive me saying, but it also sounds like Mormonism. There's absolutely no evidence. Um, Rather, we're reminded here, and and, and we'll, we'll continue to be reminded throughout this series, that faith is rooted in something sure and trustworthy. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things that we cannot yet see. For how could we ever walk in faith, especially with boldness and joy, if we're not sure or confident about what we're living and hoping for? Like, we can't see the thing we hope for because how can we hope for something if we we can see it, right? That's what it says in Scripture. But we don't hope for something that is uncertain. Um, I'm I'm reading a a book right now called Man's Search for Meaning. How many of you have heard of that by Viktor Frankl? It's a good book. really easy read but it's like full of good stuff um in the first it's uh in the first half of the book anyway uh, the author tells of his personal experiences as a Jew living in the dehumanizing horrors of Nazi concentration camps during World War II uh it actually brought me to tears a couple of times i'm sitting on the plane on the way home like <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways as a as a as a psychologist by trade he couldn't He couldn't help but use this opportunity, I guess, quote-unquote opportunity, to to look for the difference between those who managed to hold on to their humanity and those who just simply gave up. The difference, he found out, was hope. It was hope, and and it was hope because it gave them purpose. It gave them something to look forward to. Uh, So most of the prisoners who managed to persevere and and survive in some of the worst conditions and and treatments in all of human history were those who managed to cling to and hope for something better. They'd cling to the hope or the possibility of things like seeing their spouse again or finishing a book or a project that they'd begun before all that started or seeing their children again or, or something like that. They'd hope in something like that and they'd have that in their mind as they dug trenches or slugged through the snow without shoes or whatever it is they were doing. Hope is what gave them the ability to persevere. It gave meaning to their life in a horrible place that lacked beauty, that lacked creativity that lacked entertainment, that lacked good food, that lacked money, that lacked individual freedoms, and all these other things which we often think give us meaning. No. All they needed was hope. Though the problem, though, he wrote, was when some of them were finally liberated from these camps at the end of the war, Only to find out that the thing or that person or that possibility that they'd placed their hope in, that that thing that got them through the the Nazi concentration camps, that thing was when the problem is when that that thing was sadly no longer available or alive anymore. At which point, Frankel writes, they'd experience an emotional suffering and hopelessness of a sort that was far worse. Than than any they'd thought was possible or experienced in the camps. So, what we can learn here is that hope is absolutely necessary for perseverance and it gives life purpose and meaning. But yet, at the same time, we need to be sure that our hope is placed on something certain and trustworthy or else it'll all eventually fall apart on us in the end. Which is why it's so important for us to know that the faith which we've been saved and called into through Jesus Christ is one of certainty. A certainty which which also isn't based on the size of our faith, thank God, but on the object of our faith. Our faith is assured because it's rooted in, and placed on God the Father and the person of Jesus Christ, and it's sealed in us by the Spirit, and He alone is perfectly faithful and trustworthy. And He's proven that over and over again, as we'll see throughout this series. But, but for, an, for an example of what I mean here, um, a, a couple of months ago, my, my, my in-laws, Audrey's parents, they surprised us all with, with, with a promise that they would take our family on a vacation. To Florida. Yes. And I believe them. I believe them when they promised that. Not, not just because I really wanted to believe them, um, but because they've proven their trustworthiness and, and their love to us over and over again in many different ways. And they've also taken us there on vacation before. And, and so while I had yet to see and, and actually experience this vacation, which I was now hoping for and longing for, <laughs> That is, it was yet unseen, right? I was still confident that they would follow through on their promise. Because again, they've proven time and time again that it's who they are. And then in response to my trust and confidence to their promise, I started to plan and save my money and prepare for it. And now, well, it's come and gone, and I'm back home. but they proved themselves. They kept their promise. And anyways, in the same sense, but in a much more eternal and and sure way, we can be confident in the promises of God, which we have yet to see because God is perfectly faithful, loving, merciful, merciful, sovereign, and he can never lie. And again, all this was proven to us completely through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who now gives us full assurance of faith to trust in God's promises and to approach God himself with confidence. And so again, as we go through Hebrews 11, this, this, this great cloud of witnesses will also testify to us of this, of, of God's faithfulness over and over again as well. So, while we can't see, yet see the outcome, the full outcome of faith, of, of our faith, which we hope in, sorry, which is ultimately eternal life, with God and the new Jerusalem, we can be confident through Christ that one day we will see it. And in the same vein, that confidence should then lead us to live out our lives in expectation and preparation for it. And at this point, I'm actually tempted to just preach on all of Hebrews 11 right now, because I'm really excited about what we're going to be going through. But our, our goal for this series is just to bring out, you know, one or two aspects and characteristics and encouragements about faith each Sunday uh, as, as the stories we read as they pertain to those stories. So I'll hold back for today, but yet this morning I do want to jump off from the first couple of verses in Hebrews just to give us a preview, just an overview of a couple of the important themes concerning faith that will, that will come up again and again. And obviously this isn't expansive, we're going to learn a lot more, but just I just want to go over a couple of themes just to, to get us started, to get us prepared for what we're going to be going through. So the first one, the first theme that we'll see each week is that these heroes of faith are, are regular people like us. They're regular people. God chose them, but they aren't superheroes. I think when we read through the Bible, we sometimes tend to have this idea that all these characters are somehow larger than life. They aren't. They're regular human beings. The difference between them and so many others, though, is that they believed God. They believed in Him, and they believed in His promises. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. They had faith. That's the difference. They, they, they trusted in God and were obedient to him by faith. And then God was able to then use these regular people through their faith as his vessels and his instruments to do and accomplish amazing, wonderful, Things. In the same sense, God has chosen you. God has chosen the church, the body of Christ. And he wants to work his good, good work and his goodwill in you. So my prayer is that throughout this series, we w- would be inspired by this great cloud of witnesses to even more confidently believe in God by faith and believe that he rewards those who seek him. That is, he keeps his promises to us so that he can do amazing things through us. Another theme that I'll keep coming up is that these heroes of faith were also very imperfect. They were very imperfect. Just like me. Just like you. No offense. But it's true. They, they often messed up. They often gave in to temptation. They often tried to run away from God in his call in their lives. And that just sums us all up, that they often sinned against God. And I think this is good news for us, in a sense. Not as an excuse to keep on sinning, of course, but as a sigh of relief in knowing that faithful living doesn't always equate to perfect living. Right? There's grace. Faithful living is a, is a process towards purification, But that also means that it will include moments of repenting and trying again when we fail. And God calling us back. Turning us around. All the time, we're just called to to believe that Jesus is already perfect for us. And that he's faithful and quick to forgive us in the times when we are faithless. As theologian and pastor Sam Storms states, faith, as you see it in these Old Testament stories, is not a life of pristine purity. It's clinging to God and Christ and believing that he is better and more worthy even when you fail and even in the face of the most horrific temptation and hardships. All right, another noteworthy, noteworthy theme that'll come up is that most of these witnesses and, and heroes of faith never got to see the full fulfillment of God's promises to them. We don't often think of that. Hebrews eleven thirteen 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. What? But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. they never got to see the full fulfillment of God's promises before they died. For example, Daniel, we went went through Daniel a couple years ago. Daniel never got to return to Judea after his time of devoted and faithful living in Babylon. Did he? And of course, while Moses got to see the the promised land from a distance, from across the Jordan, he never actually got to enter into it. Yet in, in both those accounts, it was their faithfulness to God that eventually paved the way for God's people to enter it a generation later. Though I should point out that God still didn't forget Daniel or Moses or, or any of them, because ultimately we also know that they'll yet live in the new Jerusalem, and that's where they'll see God's promise to them in full. Hebrews eleven fourteen to 16 reminds us of, of this. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, right? God's promised to them that homeland. But if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So God did not forget them. God's not like, yeah, I lied to you guys. No, he didn't. Absolutely not. He's not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared for them a city, an eternal one. Anyway, so for us today, I think that the fact that they never got to experience the promises they hoped in on this side of heaven is a reminder that, first of all, sometimes we won't experience the fullness of God's promise to us in this life either, but in the next. But it's still worth it. Actually, it's, it's even more worth it if we truly understand what's going on here. We're exiles on this earth. This, this, isn't, this isn't our home. This isn't where the promise comes in full. It comes when Jesus comes again. And that's what we hope for, ultimately. But secondly, this teaches us that our faithfulness to God isn't just for our own selfish benefit, or personal reward. But is often meant to pave the way and be a benefit to others, including those around us and the generations which come after us. Which means that if God's called me to do something like, let's say, like faithfully just pray for revival every day so that the next generation can experience that revival after I'm dead and gone then so be it. That's worth it. Historically, we can, actually, we can actually see that this is often the case, that powerful moves of God have broken out only after that foundation for it was placed by previous faithful generations. So it's not, just, it's not always just about us. It's not always just about me or you. It's about the kingdom of God which also points us to another theme which we'll find in Hebrews 11. And it's that faithful living isn't, isn't always measured by the earthly outcome or the, the, the earthly result of what he's called us to do. That is on our, our definition of success and failure, which we often think it is, right? We think, oh, God's called me to, to start a business and then two years the business fails and it's shutting down. It's like, well, I, maybe I wasn't, faithful enough, blah, blah, blah. No, if God called you to start that, he was just testing your faith, right? It wasn't about the business being successful or not. It's about your faith. It's about you growing in faith, right? So it's simply measured by whether we're doing what God has called us to do or not do. We shouldn't compare with one another and be like, well, they're living by faith and all this cool stuff's happening to them and I'm living by faith, but, but you know, I'm... I'm I can't pay my rent this month. What's going on? Right? We don't compare. One person's faithful living might lead to hundreds of people being saved through their ministry, while another's faithful living might lead to one salvation. Both are deemed successful in God's eyes because both lived faithfully. We're just called to do what God's asked us to do, according to the grace we've been given, right? And, And we'll also find in Hebrews 11 that for some, living faithfully led to abundance. Right? Joseph next, sitting next to Pharaoh. But for others, it led to persecution and the sword. Sometimes living faithfully led, led, led some to, again, to those high positions of influence, while it brought others to their knees in prisons or in a pit of lions. All were faithful, all were counted as righteous, and God commended each one. As Sam Storms again writes, our faith does not decide ultimately of whether we're going to prosper or suffer. Faith is just clinging to Christ regardless of what we endure and saying he's better. So hopefully that'll be an encouragement for us. And finally, another theme about faith that'll come up is that each story of faith is different. Each story of faith is different. No one story is the same. And and this is important for us to remember. I think a lot of the time we we read through the Old Testament and and we see these promises of God to these individuals and we think, yeah, I'm I'm just going to receive that promise. Like, that's not really how it works, right? Um, Your story is not to build an ark, or 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 lead people out of Egyptian slavery or, or or to jump in a pit of lions. Guaranteed, if you do that, you will get eaten. Right? If if you do that on your own volition. So we're meant to draw inspiration from them, to have that faith that they have, but not to mimic them, right? Um, and at the same time We should remember that each each one of us as individuals and as the church as a whole, we we have a unique calling in the kingdom of God. We have unique spiritual gifts that he's given to you, right? And stories which God has chosen and purposed and planned for each of us that he's calling us to faithfully live out for his glory and for the benefit of others. So he wants you to live the life he's called you to live in faith not the life he's called others to live. So again, the the point of all of this is that you should be encouraged by these heroes of faith so that you can also set your eyes on Christ with full assurance and therefore confidently run the race which God has called you to run, both individually and together with the body of Christ. In fact, according to one of my commentaries, the Greek word for certainty or conviction in Hebrews 11 verse 1 denotes not a static emotion of complacency, but as something lively and active, not just a state of immovable dogmatism, such as the belief, right? It's 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 action, but of a vital certainty which impels the believer to stretch out his hand, as it were, and lay hold of those realities on which his hope is fixed, and which, though unseen, are already his in Christ. So let's grab onto that hope and run towards it in faith. So as we conclude this morning and as we, as we step into this new series together, allow me to just to again read Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 as our concluding verse this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of god consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted amen let's pray heavenly father i thank you so much for this church i thank you for the way that you are sanctifying us, that you are building us up on that foundation which has been set for us in Jesus Christ. Lord God, I pray that as we go through this series that that you would help us to continue to build on that foundation, that we would continue continue to grow stronger together as a church, that we would continue to grow more mature as individuals, as believers, that we may be grounded and rooted in faith, Lord, that we may grow together in our understanding of your love, of your grace, of your goodness in us, that you may work in us, Lord God, that you may do amazing things, amazing wonders, and that your will would be accomplished through us, Lord God, as we're inspired by all these heroes of faith from the past. Lord, we thank you for your word and that we have this opportunity to go through this beautiful chapter of Hebrews 11, Lord. And I pray that it would be an encouragement to us, that it would inspire us to live the life of faith that you have called us to live. We pray this in Jesus' name.